Hey guys, thanks for tuning us in for this 69th episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests on this episode include Kel Mitchell. We'll be talking about Deliciousness, which premieres tonight on MTV. We'll also visit with comedian and author George Wallace. We'll be talking about his new book, Bull Twit and Whatnots. And we'll also have our monthly visit with our good friend, Meathead Goldwyn. We'll be talking holiday gift ideas for the grill lover on your Christmas shopping list. And our final guest of the episode will be singer and songwriter Bernie Nelson. We'll talk about his new single and he'll play it as well, Make It Back to Texas. If you would, please take the time to subscribe, drop a like, comment, leave some feedback, and of course, share with your friends. Our first guest, you might remember him all the way back to his day on Good Burger, Kel Mitchell. He's going to be on Deliciousness, which premieres tonight on MTV. First off, Kel, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, man, thank you for having me. This is this is awesome. Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot to celebrate this year, but uh, a premiere in uh, December of 2020 leading up to the holiday season and all that. And, Kel, how cool is it to put some smiles on faces this year? Oh, man, we, we, we definitely need it, and deliciousness uh, does deliver a lot of smiles. <laughs> it's uh <laughs> So uh, it's the perfect show for foodies uh, and the perfect show for, you know, we've all done it. Like we try to get a recipe really right and then we end up messing it up somehow or we're bringing out a platter of food, end up tripping and dropping the platter of food. So it, it, it happens during the holidays. <laughs> so we're just like uh, shedding the light on those moments and just like cracking up because, you know, laughing all together because we've all done it <laughs> now Kel coming in on the show uh we we actually talked to Tim earlier uh last week about about the show coming in how how long did it take to get a camaraderie I mean I know most of you guys knew each other coming in and how long did that take to get that uh, th- that that feeling of camaraderie if you will um not not long at all I mean like the uh first episode that we recorded you know of course you try to see like how the chemistry is going to be and then, like, I'd say towards the end of the first episode as we recorded it, it was like a big family. Like, we've all uh, seen each other on our different shows, and uh, we've all known each other. I know Tim. And uh, it's just been, it was just hilarious. It was great. And also, I'm a big fan of uh, Say by the Bell, so that was cool, too, as well, to be able to work with <laughs> In the office too, you know, Angela. So it's just been it's been awesome. <laughs> yeah. What has twenty twenty inspired you in life? I know that uh, you're you're always thinking and uh, and always changing things around. What, what what inspiration have you drawn from this year? Oh yeah, man! Like it's been a definite time to like you know find the joy in everything. That's what we've been doing. You know, uh, this is a time where now like we can spend more time with the family. You know, uh, find different things to do. Uh, and we've been doing a lot of that, you know, and then those things, because we've been so busy with so much that's been going on now, it's time to like, all right, during this time of quarantine, do some of those things that, you know, we put to the side before, you know, let's do that, you know? And so, uh, we've been just finding that time and it's been really good. Now, uh, coming in with a, a new episode coming on tonight, uh, what, what are you doing extra special tonight? Are you going to be li- like live tweeting and things like that? <laughs> yeah, well, we're definitely going to jump on Instagram. We're going to be doing that. Uh, we'll be on our socials. Uh, we've been posting a lot of stuff all week. 
MTV's been doing great too with the promos. Uh, yeah, we're just we're just loving it. Delicious is going to be super super fun, and it's a big event, so it's going to be all week. Uh, and, and it's around the time where everyone's eating as well, so that'll be good. You can eat while you're watching it because if you watch this show, you're definitely going to get hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to spit part of it across the room, probably, right? <laughs> right. Other than deliciousness, what else you got going on? I mean, man, you you get you're you're you've got so many slashes after your name. I mean, uh, actor, comedian, <laughs> uh, musician, uh, producer. What what is uh, what is new and upcoming yeah. for you right now? Yeah, man. Well, I'm also uh, executive producer of uh, all that on uh, Nickelodeon. We bought the show back. This is the show that I got started on. So uh, yeah, and it's been great. We got uh, eight new kids. Uh, and it premiered uh, uh, last year, and it's been doing great. So we're just having fun with that. So still doing that as well. Uh, I got a book coming out next year. That that happened during the quarantine too. Cause, like I just was journaling a lot, and uh, that turned into a book. So uh, yeah, just doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know that you do a lot of outreach with with youth and kids, trying to be an inspiration. This year, obviously, you've had to kind of change that up. And my my big question: what is what has been your uh, your big technical gaffe this year? Give me a, give me a technical gaffe you've had in twenty twenty. Well, uh, well, also too, I'm also a, a youth pastor as well, so uh, I've done stuff on uh, social media, and one was, that's funny because you know uh, on social media we go live with the, uh, the sermons, and I remember one time I was live, and uh, my daughter was just in the background, just daddy, daddy, daddy. <laughs> entire time while I'm like r- right in the middle of a prayer, which is super super funny. <laughs> so I was so you know that that can definitely happen when you have a house full of kids uh, that they will bust in on your live Instagram. <laughs> that is, that is right now. Now, Kel, of course, if if folks want to uh, to find out more information, uh, got the show specials all week long, and uh, of course, where they can uh, keep up social media wise, uh, live on Instagram this evening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we we definitely have our deliciousness deliciousness MTV Instagram, and then also MTV's Instagram, which is MTV. And then at I am Kel Mitchell, you can go there as well. And then watch the show tonight. It's going down. Deliciousness. <laughs> and that's right. Well, Kel, it has been great to visit with you this morning. I, I look forward to the show. Been watching the, the, the previews for weeks. So uh, looking forward to that tonight. Hope you have a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, and a happy new year as well, my friend. You too. It's been a pleasure. Happy holidays. Up next, one of my favorite guests, George Wallace, comedian, actor, and now author, got a brand new book we'll be talking about, Bolt Went and Whatnots. George, first off, thank you so much for taking the time, brother. Are you kidding me? Thank you so much, man. I tell you, this is the holiday season, and I get to talk to you and all of those great people out there listening to you this morning. It's a wonderful, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. That's what Mr. <laughs> Robinson said. That's what George Wallace is saying. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and if you see someone without a smile, give them yours. There you go. <laughs> and, and George, 2020 is, uh, has made everybody do things a little different. And uh, wh- who would have ever thought that, uh, th- th- that your social media would have, uh, would have taken off like it has this year, George? You know what? There's a reason for, ev- there's a reason for everything. And I thank God for that because I'm so blessed uh, during this pandemic. I'm at home. I'm incarcerated. I'm insulated. I'm, uh, 
uh, locked up. I'm locked down. I'm quarantined here in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I'm a- I was able to write the book in the last eight months. And the book is called Bull Twit. Bull Twit is just little ramblings from my head, online ramblings, thoughts, and venting from my head. And it's just a lot of fun, a little cute little book. It's a, the quality of the book is, that's what I'm excited about. It's a colorful book, and it's about um, just things in me saying what things I'll straight up do. You know, like a, a shout out. Here's one of my jokes in the book. Shout out to the top five jacks in the world. Carjack, flap, phone, crackerjack, and hit the railroad jack. Okay? <laughs> so, let's go back to crackerjack. Now, when we were kids, don't you think Cracker Jack has made enough money now to put a real prize in that damn box? <laughs> <laughs> so, you, that be, let me ask you a question. Wouldn't that be nice if they like had a real diamond ring in the box every now and then? <laughs> if, even if a kid or a certificate for something. They, they would because be more we, better than what we got, right? Exactly. Buy me some peanut and Cracker Jack. I don't care. <laughs> Buy me some peanut and Cracker Jack. <laughs> well, peanuts. peanuts come in the Cracker Jack box, don't they? <laughs> I'm a little crazy. And why do they think that song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game? What do you think you are? <laughs> See, little thoughts like that come out of my head. I'm putting that in the next book, okay? Good. Ladies and gentlemen listening right now, if you need a nice little book, a table book, but nothing but laughs, and when your guests come over, don't twist. So you know what that's already booked with and what not. GeorgeWallace.net. Do that, and I guarantee you some great laugh, laughter that will come your way because that's what it's all about. I'm Dr. George Wallace. I just love to make people laugh and make people happy. And uh, when you see happy people, it makes you happier. That's right. Now, now, George, did were the were the ramblings a, a part of just you, you kind of uh, helping yourself get through what 2020 has been in the first place? Yeah, 2020 has been a little crazy. That made, it has made me crazy. And I'm so, I'm confused and I'm concerned, but I'm so cautious. Like, my daughter came by to visit me last week, and I live on the 25th floor, right? And I waved at her from the 25th floor, social distancing. I told her, keep moving. Keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> as close as you're going to get. I, I'm very concerned about this. I'm staying inside. I'm trying to stay safe. And I'm in Atlanta. I don't know whether you've ever been here uh, the well, I call it Wakanda, you know, Atlanta, Wakanda. <laughs> Have you ever been, you're ready to laugh. Stop laughing. That's, that's an inside joke. Wakanda, that's an inside joke. Stop laughing. You know why he's laughing, people? He's laughing because there's so many black people in Atlanta. Africans get off the airplane in Atlanta and they go, whoa! I've never seen this many black people in my life. I mean, <laughs> there's so many black people in Atlanta. They, got, they own everything. Black people here, they own Chinese restaurants. They got pork chop fried rice, oxtail fried rice. There's a lot, a lot of black people. And they're rich, too. The black people, let me tell you. Have you ever heard of a gas station called BP? I have. That's black people. Black people on that gas station. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm in Atlanta. It gave me a chance to sit down and write the book. And if I can in any way make people happy, that is my job. People are going through a lot of stress and whatever, but my job, God has blessed me to try to create laughter and put laughter in your life. Because, you know, when, we, when you stop laughing, you stop living. There's nothing better than a smile on your face. Even, I tell you what you do right now, everybody listening right now, just go ahead and smile. I guarantee you, you can't even fake a smile without feeling better. Ooh, I should be a motivational speaker. <laughs> like my, 
Like my favorite comedian in the world is. You know who my favorite comedian in the world is, right? Jerry Seinfeld. No, Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen is the best comedian <laughs> in the world. Seinfeld is an idiot, okay? Let's make that perfect. <laughs> That's my best friend for 45 years, and people don't know that, and I have, I have to explain it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it to you. People don't know that me, I'm that real George in the Seinfeld sir. I'm the one that was his roommate. I was his roommate for 13 years. I was best man at his wedding. I am the father of his kids. So let me tell you something. <laughs> he's an idiot, but he's my best friend, and I can't get rid of him. That's good stuff. Now, now, yeah. How has how has twenty twenty uh, shaped the, the comedy for you? Has has it uh, made it more more work for you to kind of keep things bright and uh, and cheery, if you will, George? Well, I do that anyways. But I'm at home, like I said, I'm at home doing nothing inside. Uh, for 10 months in my condo in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, and, and even me, sometimes I can have a low level of a depression because uh, uh, my life is different. I, I love to travel. Normally I do uh, 250,000 miles a year traveling on airplanes. I love airplanes. I love traveling to foreign countries and enjoying life. And, and you know, like I, and I love to lie about things like I was in uh, Dubai yesterday. Have you ever been to Dubai? They I have, have never. The world's tallest building, 160 stories tall. If you jump off that building, you have like three days to change your mind. You know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to put that joke in my next book, Bulletwit, more Bulletwit. But yes, if you need a good laugh, and I got Wally Bird on front of the cover there. That's Wally Bird. And we talk a lot of Bulletwit there. And you need to have some fun in your life. I'm pretty good at saying Bulletwit. I hope <laughs> I never... I, I, it's pretty close that's why i did it i said let's call it bull twit and whatnot the online ramblings of george wallace and having some fun and just enjoying life and and it's it's just a good read and i want to thank you for having me this morning and uh uh I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's good stuff. Well, George, if folks want to uh, want to order the book and then uh, keep up with those online ramblings. It's called georgewallace.net. Let me tell you how smart I am. Amazon takes half your money, and I'm not going to have them taking half my money. georgewallace.net. georgewallace.net. <clears throat> Let me do it in Morgan Freeman and Toys. Get to book in georgewallace.net. That's good stuff. Well, George, always great to visit with you, my friend. Uh, I look forward to sitting down with the book and hopefully catching up in the new year. Let's do that. And when you come to Las Vegas, don't forget, I'm at the Westgate. You can go see the Blue Man. You can come see the black man. It's all about laughter. (laughs) That's right. Well, George, good to talk to you. Have a great rest of your week. See ya. Our next guest, a good friend of the podcast and of the morning show as well, uh, Meathead Goldwyn. And uh, Meathead, it is hard to believe, but uh, December, we can finally, uh, in a few days, put uh, 2020 behind us. Oh, my. You know, can't come soon enough. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> and, uh, and now, now, how was uh, how was Thanksgiving for you guys? You know, we always enjoy a turkey. Um, usually it's a big family gathering. You know, my wife uh, 
has a large family here in the uh, Chicago area and we get together with them. This time it was just my wife and me and uh, uh, we still did a, a, a turkey, a small one. And uh, actually last night we had um, a turkey pot pie with the leftovers. So <laughs> we're still swimming in leftovers. How was yours? <laughs> it was good. And, and uh, in true 2020 fashion, I, uh, I changed it up completely from the normal and uh, I, I made a roast. Oh, yeah. beef roast. Yeah, I, I just did a roast instead. Ah, meat lover. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> now, obviously, December, uh, folks making those final uh, purchases for uh, gift items and thought uh, maybe that'd be a great idea to talk about because, uh, hey, grill lovers, they still get Christmas too, right? <laughs> yeah, I think they count on it. You know, this is when they expect you to get them the little gadgets and stuff that they don't normally spring for themselves. Um, you know, I, I, I sound like a broken record. And, you know, I've been talking to you for years now. And uh, I always keep reminding people that uh, the most important tool you can have when you're cooking, either indoors or outdoors, is a good digital thermometer. And basically two flavors. There's um, your handheld rapid read instant read thermometer that you just poke into that turkey breast or that steak and it tells you exactly what the temperature is and that's the most important thing in knowing when when it's done you know i've said this before but it bears repeating 130 to 135 is your perfect medium rare steak you'll never be embarrassed serving an overcooked steak to uh, your guests if you use a good handheld digital thermometer now they also sell thermometers with with a probe that you can insert into the meat and just leave the probe in there um, and walk away and they come in handy for big things like roasts turkey breasts um, and uh, they and some of them actually even have transmitters, so you can go in and watch the game, and it'll transmit <laughs> the temperature to you while you're watching the game. They're not expensive. Some of these uh, um, remote read uh, transmitter based are in the fifty dollar range. Wow! And the and the rapid reads you can get really good ones for twenty bucks on up to a hundred bucks. And the big difference is is how quickly they read. The hundred dollar one co- reads precisely in two seconds the 20 to 30 dollar range it takes five seconds so three seconds will buy uh, 70 dollars or 70 dollars will buy you three seconds i should say and and we've got an electrical engineer who tests thermometers um so if you're looking go to our website we don't sell any we don't um, uh, manufacture any but we have ratings and reviews. Find something that's a good uh, fit for your budget, and that, that's a good place to start. Well, obviously, there's uh, there, there's some grill grill lovers out there that uh, that the, the thermometer is not going to cut it for a gift. Uh, what if we expand that uh, price limit out a little bit? Well, um, let's see. Um, you know, there's knife sharpeners. I mean, knives are pretty darn important to any cooking venture indoors or out and uh, a good knife sharpener is uh, a nice thing to have you can buy some motorized ones or you can buy the old-fashioned whetstones you know it's a it it, it, it it's a piece of stone actually you get usually you get three stones one is very very smooth fine grit one is a little coarser and one is even coarser still um that um 
that rod that you have in your kitchen drawer along with your sharpening, uh, along with your knives, is not a sharpener. It's called a honer, and it just is meant to straighten out the edge because sometimes a sharp edge will get bent. But every now and then you need a sharpener with grit, which actually grinds down the edge and makes it sharpen. Um, and uh, you can get some nice uh, uh, knife sharpeners. Our top-rated knife sharpener is is made by a guy named Ken Onion, and it's about two hundred bucks. Wow. But it'll sharpen everything from knives to scissors to lawnmower blades. <laughs> um, so uh, a good knife sharpener is a nice thing to have. Well, what uh, what what is on your list of 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 wishes for Christmas this year? Oh. Uh, my big wish for Christmas this year is 2021. <laughs> I want a vaccine. <laughs> you know, I have everything. You know, I, you know, uh, that, that's my job. I have one of everything. I don't think there's anything out there. There are some pretty nifty high-end grills and smokers that I drool over. I mean, if you've got <laughs> the money um, and you want to, or if you've got a hardcore griller and smoker out there, there's a, um, a device called the Delka by a company named Nuke, N-U-K-E, like Nuke. <clears throat> and it's an Argentinian-style grill. It, it's a grill that, um, oh gosh, how do I describe it? Um, you usually cook on it without a, a lid. Um, it, it's, and it cranks, you crank the, um, you, you use logs for fire, and you raise and lower the logs for temperature control. Um, and it's very, very um, authentic Argentinian-style grill. Um, a lot of fun to play, especially if you like playing with fire. <laughs> a lot of fun to play with. Uh, um, uh, of course, pellet smokers are now all the rage. Uh, there's a, a good variety of them on the market now. Oh, gosh, it must be 20 or 30 different brands. Um and uh, one of my favorites is by Mac, M-A-K, not M-A-C, M-A-K. Um, and they range from 700 to 2,000 um, pellet smokers. The beauty of pellet smokers are is you got to plug them in, but they're digital and they're extremely precise. In fact, my pellet smoker, my Mac, is more steady, holds the temperature more steadily than my general electric indoor oven does. Wow. Um, so it's really uh, uh, set it and forget it, walk away. And they make a lovely, delicate smoke flavor. Uh, they're a lot of fun. They're not great at searing. So if you're a steak lover, um, you'll still want a charcoal grill or something that gets enough infrared radiation to sear beautifully but these pellet smokers are just lovely lovely tools and and we seem to always talk about meat because well that number one on the grill right uh yeah. but uh, as we get to christmas are there are there any uh, vegetable or or maybe dessert type combos uh, that, that that you like to throw on the grill especially uh, looking through the snow <laughs> well, the cold weather doesn't stop me. I mean, I'm in a little cooler climate than you are, but uh, we, we have a pitmaster club on uh, AmazingRibs.com, and uh, uh, there's about 16,000 members, and they're hardcore like me, and uh, a little snow never stops us. We're <laughs> out there year-round. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's barbecue gear, but <laughs> a good pair of boots and a heavy coat would be nice. <laughs> 
Um, there is something that uh, is useful. Um, they're uh, making some very nice gloves now. Um, now, I'm not a big fan of mittens. Mittens, you don't have um, digital. Uh, right. All your fingers uh, aren't accessible. I like something with fingers. And some of them are made out of Kevlar type material with a uh, silicon coating. There are some that are solid silicon, and I don't recommend those. They get slippery when wet. But um, there's, you know, good old welder's gloves, which are made out of deer skin or cow skin. Um, they're really good. You can pick up hot logs and hot coals with your bare hands or not bare with, with these <laughs> yeah, gloves. Please don't. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, those always come in handy and they're, they range in uh, around the $50 price range. So, uh, so lots of, of different ideas. Of course, uh, I know that you guys have a, a multitude, a plethora, I guess I should say, of, <laughs> of reviews of, of grills and, uh, and other products as well on, uh, on the website as well. Yeah, we've got a guy, uh, Max Good, who works for us full time, and his job description is test grills and smokers. I mean, the guy <laughs> works for me and he's got a better job than I have. Um, but that's all he does. And he's retested and kicked the tires on maybe four or 500 grills and smokers. We have ratings and reviews on all of them. So it's a good idea to get a look at that or bookmark that uh, so that when you're in the, uh, you know, Home Depot or wherever you shop, uh, you can get a look at the official rating and see how it did in a uh, comparison by somebody who knows what he's talking about. And we have a gift guide on AmazingRibs.com uh, that breaks down the gifts in $50, 50 to 200 and so on. So you can, you know, poke around in the gift guide and see if you find something for the barbecue lover uh, that you uh, want to give a gift to. And, uh, well, the last thing going into the new year, what, uh, what would you put, uh, with your black eyed peas off of the grill? Ah, black eyed peas. You know, that, that, th that's fascinating. Uh, uh, you should explain, or I'll explain that, uh, uh, it's an, it's an old tradition. I'm not sure where it started. Uh, maybe, you know, but, uh, of serving mm. peas, um, black eyed peas or, um, Navy beans, uh, um, on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day uh, for good luck. Um, and, of course, your, your standard companion is ham. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, ham and beans are just great together. Um, uh, I've, I've got a, a, a maybe 15 beans recipes on AmazingRibs.com, ranging from Texas style to your classic South Carolina style. Uh, and they all have to do with what kind of flavorings go in there and whether you put any bacon or ham or something, things like that in there. Do you do beans for New Year's? And if you do, do you have any idea how this tradition started? All, as far as I know, the Black Eyed Peas for New Year's Eve started about uh, 47 years ago. That's all I know. I don't know any farther than my lifespan as <laughs> the history of Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to dig around. I think I've, 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 I've researched this once, but it, it's a fun tradition. Uh, I may go back to China. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. And and I I'm not a big bean cooker, so that's uh, that that's one of the things I've been gleaning from you over the while because I I never have messed with beans that much. No, I'm not a big bean guy either. I'll tell you that. 
there's not much I won't eat though. But uh, at the very, in fact, I've actually learned to like Brussels sprouts, which I hated with a passion <laughs> for most of my life. But I tell you, who's still on the bottom of my list is lima beans. I just cannot get close to lima beans. My mom had a thing for lima beans and cornbread, and uh, I, I love the cornbread, but uh, yeah. hold the lima beans. Me too. <laughs> We're brothers by different mothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, Meathead, uh, an, another thing, Any, uh, what, what would you say is your highlight for, uh, for, for 2020? What, is, what has been the bright spot on the clouds? Well, you know, it, there aren't too many bright spots when you consider the death toll. Uh, but um, uh, one of the things that I think that may be a byproduct of this awful uh, coronavirus is that when people were told to stay home, they were forced to cook. Um, and a lot of people who didn't do a lot of cooking, uh, especially city dwellers who ate out most of their meals, um, were for forced to learn to cook. And we found almost all the culinary websites, ours. I was talking with Christopher Kimball at Milk Street, uh, which is a great culinary site. Um, all of us saw a huge increase in traffic starting in spring as people uh, started to say, well, I love barbecue, but I can't go to the barbecue joint, so I better start learning how to make my own or <laughs> not just barbecue, everything. So I think if, if there's any good spinoffs from this, it's that a lot of people are more comfortable with cooking and going forward may be more experimental more adventurous, and that may help the restaurants when they come back because they may find their audience better educated, more interested, and willing to try new things. There you go. That is a bright spot. There you go. Now, uh, Meathead, if folks uh, have any questions about any of the stuff we talked about and, uh, again, all the ratings, the, the, the website's still the uh, still the best place, and uh, oh, yeah. don't want don't to forget I, I, the book I'm either. Constantly, I'm watching the website for questions. I answer many of them personally. I have a team of moderators, and these are not just volunteers. These are paid moderators who are experts. We're there almost 24 seven. Um, if you've got a question or a problem, uh, we're happy to help. All right, amazingribs.com and uh, Meathead. Always great to visit with you, my friend. I, I wish you a very Merry Christmas and uh, and uh, look forward to talking to you in 2021. I can't wait. See you then, pal. <laughs> Our next guest on the podcast, uh, singer, songwriter, and uh, it, it's a great opportunity to visit Bernie Nelson with us. And uh, first off, Bernie, thank you for taking the time to be on the show. It's my abdominal pressure. Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> now, B Bernie, you you look like you're in uh, in full getaway from uh, public mode is where you're at. Yeah, I ran into a buddy of mine, Walt Wilkins, last night. It's the first time I met him, and I had my overalls on, and I said, "Hey, man, I'm Bernie Nelson." He looked at me like, "Yeah, sure you are," you know. <laughs> Now, uh, tell us a little bit about how you first got into to music. Where did, where did your first, who was your first musical influence that, uh, that made you know the music, uh, that really stirred the, stirred the, the, the heartstrings, if you will. I mean, I grew up in a musical family, you know, I had an uncle 
my dad's brother-in-law that picked guitar and uh I, I don't know how he played with that cigarette between his fingers while he was fretting you know but uh, <laughs> recording i mean uh but my uncle floyd what i loved about him he would just i bet he could play your cheating heart 20 times a night and not care and uh so i i really got turned on to music through my uncle and my mom and dad of course had a lot of country music and and records when i was growing up but I actually grew up in Michigan, so uh, both Motown and Nashville had a big influence on me between Bob Seger, Grand Funk, uh, uh, people like that, and listening to the Opry on, on Friday, Saturday nights. It was just a neat little combination that came together. And I know as uh, I, I look at different uh, different notes on on your biography and uh, notes in the past of talking about your history at Music Row. And I, I've only been around Music Row for about the last 10 years. The first time I ever went down Music Row was 10 years ago. And I've seen how much it's changed over the last 10 years. But how how much different is Music Row today than the Music Row you uh, you first came to know? Well, I left Nashville in June of this year. And I love Nashville. It's been incredible to me. I got there and I think was the the perfect time. I mean, 70s, I'm sure were amazing. But the mid 80s and the 90s, when I first got there, you would see people in the alleys because that's between Music Row is 16th Avenue one way and 17th Avenue the other way. And there's an alley that runs between them. And you would see Cadillacs in the alley handing cassette tapes from one window to the other as producers and writers and, and publishers would just pass each other in the alley and go, here, man, here's something for, you know, George Strait, here's something for Conway Twitty. And it went like that. And then we had several hangs, uh, late night hangs. We had a place called third coast where we'd all get together at. And then of course, during the day, it was either the Longhorn or real Bravo or, or the cooker. And you'd go in there and you'd run into everybody. I mean, George Strait and Garth and anybody. And uh, I could write a whole book on people that I didn't really pay attention to that went on to be really big people. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I probably wrote seven songs with Garth and never really paid it much mind because when I was writing songs with Garth, he was still selling cowboy boots. So, uh, and Kenny Chesney was my workout buddy and he, he valeted my truck at one of my number one parties. So, um, <laughs> You never know, and so today I pay attention to everybody. So <laughs> there you go. Now, now, how has the shift gone from uh, Nashville to to more of the the Texas uh, music scene? I know it's a it, it's a whole different genre, uh, uh, musical style, uh, a wide open genre, I guess you would say. Well, you know, Nashville always goes through a five year spin. L.A. and New York try to stick their nose into to what is country music, <laughs> and for the longest time, Nashville was really impressed with California and LA and what New York and LA had to say, because we wanted to, they wanted to be hip, you know, and then producers like Jimmy Bowen came to town and started making digital records. Uh, and for the most part, it was good for, for country music because um, people like Garth and the Dixie Chicks were selling 18, 20 million records. Per, per record and bringing a lot of new people to country music. So that was good. But in the same way that back in the seventies, people like Conway and the dirt band brought different genres of people into country music. 
but in the last five years, that five-year cycle has, has taken a lot longer to, to work its way out. But people, I think, hit a wall with all the broke country, the hey girl, my girl, painted on blue jeans thing. And that's why Chris Stapleton became such a big success because people were starving for something more authentic. And I think Chris, you know, it's not like Chris just all of a sudden woke up one day and said, I want to be Chris Stapleton. He was in the steel drivers and won Grammys and stuff like that. And when he finally turned loose um, with Broken Halo, I think that just kicked open a lot of doors for him. And then uh, Tennessee Whiskey, of course, with Justin Timberlake. But the most country song I've heard on the radio lately is uh, Lady Gaga and and Cooper. I mean, that's that's a country song, you know. Um, it, it just shallows is a country song in the same way that the pictures is with Kid Rock and and uh, Cheryl Crow. And for, for you now to look back as uh, from the time you went into Nashville to today and uh, to see folks inspired by your songwriting and to, to, to maybe have a touch on on the next generation of songwriters. How cool is that? You know, it's uh, you don't think of yourself as as an icon or a, uh, a legend or whatever. But when I see 20 some year old kids that know the words to songs I wrote in 91, 92 before they were born. It's really nice, you know, and uh, I, I moved it to Texas because to me, it's the new frontier. It's the new place to, to be anything you want to be in the music world. I mean, jazz, red dirt, Hispanic, push them all together if you want to. And Texas is, is open to that. Now, how has uh, how have you had to adapt in 2020 uh, as far as writing and uh, and things like that are concerned? You know, I trust my co-writers and I know I probably that sounds kind of arrogant, but uh, I had a couple of my uh, really talented songwriters come to my place in Fredericksburg. They had both had COVID back in March or April, so they weren't of any concern to me. And then there's Texas artists that I've become friends with who, for some reason, either look up to me or, or, or are anxious to, to, to write with me or are complimentary enough to, to let me write with them and pitch them songs. And uh, so I put them with these Texas writers who are somewhere between 90s country and hip hop country. So we tr- start with a... 90s feel and then they'll put a little bit of a newer edge on it so it's very great bait to put on the hook for the texas artists because as much as they think they want to be 90s country they really still want a piece of that current country sound in their music uh so it's kind of cool when i get them with these guys and uh, i haven't done very many zoom writings i got some coming up with some hit writers in nashville that just can't get out of town right now so (laughs) And uh, who who are among some of the some of the Texas some of the younger Texas artists that uh, that you see that uh, that maybe you see something special in as well? There's just so many. I mean, I love the girls, uh, um, Kylie. Um, there goes my brain. There's a girl I, I worked with out of Nashville, uh, Kenzie Coppin. I think she's trying to make a dent in Nashville and. At some point, she may come back here. I love her sound. She's like a Carly Pierce. 
Uh, but the kids I'm writing with here, uh, Clay Hollis, he's cut a couple of my songs. Ben McPeak, we've been writing with Kyle Park here in town, and I know he cut two or three songs of mine recently. And there's a new group called Kinfo that have been really good about they turn loose four singles of my songs. So, and um, you know, I don't look at it like uh, they get to write with me. It's the other way around. You know, I get to write with them, and it's really exciting for me. Speak about how the relationship in a, in a co-write, how, how important is relationship in, in the, the, the trust, like you said, of your co-writers? Well, I, take Kyle Park, for example. He's a really talented writer in the sense that Kyle knows when to, to say something. So many of the young writers would just sit, sit back and go, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And they'll go along with it. And then maybe nothing will happen with that song or whatever, but I'd rather have them say, Hey, I, I really don't see me saying it that way, you know? So Kyle is a great editor and he'll like, well, we shouldn't say that because uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so when I, I have a whole list of titles in my phone that I come up with as I drive around the country. And when I decide to bring one of those ideas to the table, um, I'm very, very reluctant about who I bring it to the table with because I've started songs with the wrong person in the past and had to call them a year later and say, hey, man, I'm just going to scrap what we had and go on with the song in another direction. And that's the uh, the proper way to resolve that problem. Um, it's it's understood that you know, if I bring the title in and it goes the wrong way, we can either rewrite it or if you don't want to do anything with it, and I just move on with it. But um, a lot of these young writers, they, they're really good writers, really, really talented writers. And, and how long is a typical write uh, for you from, uh, say, from when, when you sit down with, uh, with, with the idea and uh, with the mindset to, to write? How, what's a what's a time frame for you? Two, maybe three beers, somewhere in there. <laughs> you know, depending on the inspiration factor. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, the 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 latest single, "Make It Back to to Texas." Where 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 did this was this part of the move back to Texas? Where where did this uh, inspiration come from? It, it's kind of the other way around. I wrote this song with a buddy of mine who was living in in Nashville, Leapers Fork, uh, years ago, and uh, he and David Ball used to play this little club outside, just literally in front of a meat market in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. And David uh, and I and, and, and this other guy, David, started writing. And my friend David and I, uh, I wanted to write a song for George Strait. And I'd done some research, so I knew he'd been in San Marcos and Hayes County. <clears throat> so we pointed in that direction. And we wrote that song probably six years ago. Right. And when I got ready to make this new album, I kept listening to it. And I thought, you know, I had played it out a bunch at a lot of my shows and got some great response from it. So I thought, well, let's, let's put it on the, the record. And when it was time to pick a single, I ran it by a lot of radio people and they all thought it was a good, good shot. But uh, the biggest thing I had to learn back then was how to say Cabrito. So, <laughs> That's good stuff. Well, uh, do you mind playing that one for us today? I can't. Like I said, I know most of the words. That's a good thing. There's a guy named Craig Wiseman. Craig wrote like 45, maybe 50 number ones now. And he and I had some hits and stuff together, but 
early on, we went out to a club in Nashville one time, and my friend Tony Arada was playing the dance up on stage, and it had been a big hit the year before. And I said, man, I wish I'd written that. And Craig turned to me and said, well, why don't we? We already know most of the words. (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear that? Very good. Hey, baby, thanks for the postcard. It sure looks cool in L.A. Well, with the stars in the ocean, there ain't no wonder why you up and blew away. Back here in the standing market, watching the sun go down. Well, there ain't no smog and there ain't much traffic and probably just slow you down. But you know I'll be right here if you ever take it back to Texas. Your mama says you're doing all right. Says you're making new friends. But that you ain't made church in a month Sundays. Baby, that just ain't Christian. Around here in Hayes County, we're hell on Saturday night. Next morning, drunk or sober, we sang in the fire rock of ages. And I saw the light. And you know I'll be right here. If you ever make it back to Texas. We took the Guadalupe, wear cowboy boots, and baby, they just ain't for sure. Shattered by fears that we drink around here, except for an occasional queer boat. That's a hour back here in Texas. And you know, we still play by wheels on the road from San Antonio. And down the Green Hall, if we have a ball, ain't nothing like it. Here comes a little. That is good stuff. That is good stuff. Now, now, Bernie, in in the time that you've written and and, and of all of the songs, do does your favorite change uh, based on occasion? My favorite song. Does it change at the time? I mean, my uh, my set list changes. You know, uh, being in Texas, I have the freedom to play covers, so that's kind of fun. And I've dug out some songs I haven't played in a long time, and so that's a blast. Uh, but my favorite song, you know, it'll probably be the same as a song called When Your Yellow Brick Road Turns Blue. And I wrote it and Dan Seals had it on hold. And then uh, Jimmy Bowen, the producer, cut it on John Anderson. And at the time I was really bummed, you know, because I really wanted a Dan Seals single. So John put it out and it went top 30 or something. And uh, then it just laid around. And so now I look back and I go, I got a John Anderson cut. I got a John Anderson single, you know? And uh, and then 
10 years later, uh, the producer, Mac McAnally, who's an old friend of mine, cut it on a guy named Chris Ledoux. So now I have a Chris Ledoux cut and Chris was the greatest. We wrote some songs together and, uh, uh, it was just a really good time to, to be in Nashville. And, and that song will just always probably be one of my favorites. That's good stuff. Now, Bernie, if folks want to find out more information about the new single, the uh, the upcoming music, and, uh, well, tour dates, whenever those become available. They can find me in Gillespie County Jail. Usually, <laughs> I'm out for a little while. Um, all the stuff is at uh, Facebook. You, know, you can find me on Facebook. I'm really easy to get along with on Facebook. Um, uh, and then my website, of course, is BernieNelson.com. Find me on Twitter, um, Instagram. I'm starting to hang out with those places a little bit more. Uh, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old school, but the thing, if it wasn't for the people that opened the doors for me, I would never get, I mean, when I landed in Muscle Shoals in 79, my first session was the Swampers, you know, with Barry Beckett and Roger Clark, the guys that played on all the Skinner and Stones records, you know. And then I landed in Nashville, and the first person I met was Dave Loggins and, and Don Schlitz. And my first co-writer was Russell Smith from the Amazing Were the Maces. And I just was blessed to be around the biggest and the best. And then to become friends with all my Texas buddies, Leroy and Radney Foster and and a fellow named Guy Clark and I became really good friends. Well, well, Bernie, it has truly been a privilege to visit with you today. And uh, I, I appreciate your time. Been a big fan of your music for many years. And hopefully once uh, all this craziness gets uh, gets out of the way, we can, we can catch up face to face. Yeah, I love playing Oklahoma. My old manager's in just outside of Tulsa. And a buddy of mine is from Yukon, Oklahoma. I think that's where he's originally from. And, uh, you know, I don't see a whole lot of difference between Oklahoma and Texas. The talent from Oklahoma is just crazy. I mean, Vince and Ronnie and Reba, I mean, incredible amount of talent came out of it. Thanks again for joining us for this 69th episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, question, anything else you'd like to know, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at GQ with Cam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, feel free to click the support tab and follow the instructions. If you have a special guest idea, email me GQwithCam at gmail.com. Thanks again so much to our good friend Brandon Allen, who pinned and played the music for us on Good Questions with Cameron Dole. We're going to let him play us out. We'll be back with episode 70 coming up tomorrow. <laughs>